Today on Locked On Los Angeles Kings, the team takes one step forward and two steps back as the Kings lose in St. Louis. Plus, we look forward at the Kings' busy weekend as they continue their Midwest road trip. All this and more on Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So today is Friday, October 24th, and you are listening to Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And I am your host, Sarah Avampato, managing editor of Jewels from the Crown, and currently your very tired and disappointed showrunner of the day. You're listening to my little spot on the internet where I talk about the Kings five days a week, the ups, the downs, the sideways, the the, the hula hoops, the, the pokey pokies, the put your best foot forward and you shake it all about or whatever. Whatever that that is, the Kings did not do that. They did not put any foot forward and shake anything all about last night when they faced off against the St. Louis Blues. Remember, if you listened to Thursday's episode, we talked about keys to the game. And one of the keys to said game was special teams. And you had to win the special teams battle to win this game, especially knowing how good the Blues have been at stifling people at having stupid Jordan Bennington be a stupid good goalie, special teams were going to make or break this one. And guess what? The Blues scored three power play goals. So take a wild guess if you happen to miss this game on who won. Spoilers, it was the Blues. Now, the Blues didn't quite shut the Kings down in the same way they shut down the Avalanche the other day. Uh, The Kings ended up with 35 shots on goal, the same amount as the Blues had. So neither team was quite the stifling defense when it comes to shutting down people of taking shots on your net. The Kings did, however, struggle to get in close to Bennington. A lot of their shots came from areas that were not exactly uh, too dangerous for the Blues to stop. If you look just at high danger chances at even strength per natural stat trick, uh, the Blues had 10 over the course of the game, including eight in the first period. So how they got out of the first period not winning that game already, I have no idea. The Kings had five high danger chances over the course of the game. So Kings certainly got their shots in. They just didn't happen to get particularly challenging shots in for Bennington. Uh, Even if you watch the highlights of the game online, you will see that most of the highlight saves were from... Jonathan Quick in net. So not a whole ton of work that Bennington really needed to do to secure the win for his team, despite the number of shots that he faced. But special teams, again, were the issue. The Kings had three power plays. They did exactly nothing with them. They had seven shots on goal through those power plays. The Blues had four power plays, eight shots total, capitalized on three of those power plays. And that's really all you need to know. We could end the podcast right there and we don't need to talk about it anymore because that is clearly what killed the Kings. And Todd McClellan even mentioned that in his post-game comments. He talks about kind of three different areas that the Kings got beat on. First, he talks about rebounds where players got to the net and were able to kind of pick up the loose change in front of Jonathan Quick. And, you know, that's a, a goal that had you had someone there to clear out the rebound or had your rebound 
ground control sent the puck maybe somewhere else, you wouldn't be worrying about it. McClellan also talks about zone entries where the Blues do well to get into the zone and that even though the Kings were, you know, in position as to where they should have been, they didn't actually realize what was happening until it was too late, which does not look good. Uh, And then he talks about another goal against where there was sort of a battle against the against the boards. I believe this was one of the power play goals. Uh, there was a battle against the boards and the Blues just get the puck away and are able to attack and boom, scored a goal. That seems like one that McClellan definitely wants to have back, wants to talk to his players about to make sure it doesn't happen again because there are so many players on this team who have an identity of hard guy to play against, like never gives up, never says die, like goes and fishes out pucks and won't give up until he has them. Those are the kind of moments that you expect those guys to step up and to take charge. And that didn't happen. And that is a big contributing factor into why the Kings lost this game. They overall looked a little disorganized sometimes. They didn't necessarily stick to the plan, which is something I was kind of afraid of happening because what happens when you face a team that is better than you? What happens when you face a team that maybe plays the way you used to play? Like your first instinct is going to be, oh crap, whatever I'm doing isn't working. I need to try to match them. And that feels like a little bit of what got into the Kings last night. Uh, They were absolutely crushed in terms of possession time. No one finished with more than 50% Corsi 4 at uh, even strength. Mike Amadio had the best number there at 50% even. Just the top line struggled a lot. They were matched up against the Blues top line. So two very talented, very defensively aware lines of players and the Blues definitely had the upper hand on this one. And then again, if you look at uh, the shot map, the shots the Kings were taking just were not particularly dangerous ones. There's not like a big glaring red blob in the net. There's it's, it's a little, little distance out. And all of those weird problems of the stats not registering correctly on sites have been fixed. So you can't even say like, oh, well, it looks like no one took a shot on the goal from you know, up in the goalie's business just because of computer things. Like, no, no, that's all fixed. The Kings just did not really get in and challenge Bennington too much. There were some positives in this game for the Kings. Uh, Jeff Carter and Alex Iafalo both scored for the team. Uh, the Carter goal in particular, I feel pretty much like I could watch it forever. It is very classic Jeff Carter just being like, F you to the other team because he's like, I want to score a goal now, so I'm going to. On that play, Blake Lazat gets the puck, centers it to Carter, who's basically just standing in front, like standing in front of Bennington, just waiting for something to happen. And instead of shooting it, he holds onto it, skates backwards, sort of out to the side of the crease. Bennington tries to poke check him. He evades it, does a little toe drag thing to get around him, and then just pops it on in whenever Bennington is down and has zero chance of other than like flailing and throwing his stick or something, which feels like something Jordan Bennington would do. He just had no chance to get back over. It feels like one of those like goal scorer goals when you're a guy who has scored quite as often as Jeff Carter has over his lengthy career. Like those are just the goals you score sometimes. Like he is a player who has always been tremendously smart. And as his speed goes away and maybe as his hands get a little worse, I think the IQ is always going to be there. So if he has time and he has space and can make a play like that, um, he'll get you every time, probably. If there's anything good so far to come out of this season, it is seeing Jeff Carter look a little bit like his old self 
And that goal was certainly part of it. The I follow goal looked at first like it was going to be credited to Sean Walker, but on review, he, I follow kind of deflected it in, but that was a pretty nice nice moment to give the Kings a little bit of a lead until they allowed four unanswered goals and lost the whole dumb game. Another thing that I kind of noticed in watching those goals against, again, some of them I felt like Drew Doughty like just needed to not be quite so much up in the crease. Maybe let Jonathan Quick handle it a little more and not try to get in his way, which is what it felt like ended up happening. But it feels like in general, people are outsmarting Jonathan Quick a little more, which is not really something I had quite anticipated. But sort of compared to the patience that Jeff Carter had on his goal against Bennington, it feels like people are exhibiting the same sort of patience on Jonathan Quick because it's like they know that if he goes down, if he gets out of position, if he makes the first save and you collect the rebound, he may or may not be able to get to you. He may or may not just flop. And, you know, there was at least one goal where he was down on his stomach and then was just down on his belly whenever the puck popped back out and a Blues player had basically a whole empty net. Um, Certainly not the first time that has happened, let alone first time in this game. If a player has you know, a whole huge empty net to shoot at because you're pulled way out to the side or you're flat on your stomach or whatever nightmare affront to positioning that Quick wanted to do. Like, just let him do it, I guess, and hate it every minute of it. But not a great outing for the Kings. I guess the good news is that they looked competitive, which is more than we could say for, oh, say this time last year. There is lots to learn from, lots to improve on, but they didn't look embarrassing, which is all we can ask from them at this point. So the Kings have a real big weekend coming up. And unless something wild happens, we'll just be back on Monday. But if something wild does happen, maybe we'll sneak in a bonus episode. But the Kings action starts tomorrow, Saturday, playing against the Minnesota Wild. Would you like to know who leads in scoring for the Minnesota Wild? The answer is Brad Hunt. And if you found yourself saying, who? Then you are not alone. I had no idea who this guy is, even though he has had like quite a long career. I believe he's 31. He's played on several different teams, including the Vegas Golden Knights uh, in their inaugural season. Uh, So Brad Hunt, again, no idea who that is. I looked him up and still was like, wait, who? Who are you? Uh, He had his career high in points in 2017-18 with the Vegas Golden Knights. He scored 18 points in 45 games. And right now he leads the wild in scoring with six points. That's not a lot of points and four goals. Um, It's especially not a lot of points considering that the Wild have played 10 games. Uh, That is enough games that someone should maybe have more than six points. So the Wild are just getting offense from nobody. They are 3-7-0 on the season. They're in last place in the Central, below even the Blackhawks, uh, solely by virtue of the fact that the Wild have played more games than the Blackhawks, but they are in last place in the Central Division. They lost on Thursday to the Nashville Predators 4 to nothing. 
no idea where offense is going to come from on this team. Uh, They are looking much more like a team that's going to have to grind out wins and is going to have to play physical, play around the nets, just not looking great for the Wild. Um, I know that their front office and everything is saying patience, uh, especially given all the turmoil over the summer and all the craziness with their OGM. Patience is indeed the right suggestion, but still not fun. Everyone on the team is broken right now. Devin Dubnik missed Thursday's game because of a vague upper body injury. No telling quite yet whether or not he'll be cleared to play on Saturday. Joel Erickson Eck is out with an with a lower body injury. Kevin Fiala is out with a lower body injury. He'll miss at least the next two games. Jordan Greenway left the game on Tuesday after a hit and didn't come back. Greg Patteron is having a back issue and hasn't been ready since September was said that he's going to miss the beginning of the regular season. Mason Shaw had surgery on his ACL and isn't going isn't ready to start yet. Uh, Matt Zuccarello just got back from being injured. I was going to say that none of those people are people who I would expect to contribute the offense, but Eric Sinek is a good player. Fiala, Minnesota's GM, went after him hard, so clearly he's a player being counted on to provide offense. Zuccarello obviously counted on as a guy to provide offense and has just been hurt. Okay, like, know how yesterday I did the thing at the end of the show where I was like, ha ha ha, name five Ottawa Senators, I'll wait, Um, and then, like, couldn't name more than three. I sort of feel that way about the Wild, even though I know a bunch of players in the Wild, like, they still just feel very anonymous to me. (laughs) Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi are still a thing, right? They still exist, and yet I don't know that I've heard a single darn thing about either of them. Jason Zucker, the only thing I've heard about him lately is that, like, he got in trouble for saying something angry, and he included Bruce Boudreau in his angry statement. No idea how he's playing. I assume bad, because he wouldn't be making statements about, like, how we all need to pick it up if he was playing good. So the Wild are a team in trouble. Everyone in the front office is saying to give it time and be patient, uh, knowing they have a new GM he isn't eager to make rash moves. So the Wild are what they are, (laughs) essentially, which means that the Kings will probably get embarrassed somehow because that is the way this universe works. They're a team a little bit in crisis because they're bad, because everyone has expectations of them not being bad. And yet there they are, just bad. The next game of the weekend for the Kings, because of course they have a Saturday-Sunday back-to-back, is in Chicago. And the Blackhawks are also a team a little bit in crisis. Fans are getting a little bit impatient. They're not exactly fans who are used to, at this point, (laughs) having to be patient about things. But they're bad. They're incredibly bad. If you don't know this about me, I live in Chicago, so I see my fair share of Blackhawks games. And I went to a game the other week and I was watching it. I was at the Hawks Blue Jackets game. I was watching it and I was thinking, you know, the Kings are more fun than this and the Kings might actually be better than this. Um, Again, by saying this, I'm dooming the Kings to lose like seven to nothing or something. Watching that game, I was like, this is a bad team that looks like they've never played hockey together before. Um, And they have had their share of games that have been close games that, you know, they were in and the goalie was in and they just couldn't find that goal to put them over the top. And those games are frustrating, but ultimately like fine, whatever, like you get it, you get that it's a process, you get that your team may not be good yet. And so as long as they look competitive, then fine. 
Uh, the Blackhawks did not look competitive in in their last game. They lost 4-1 to to the Philadelphia Flyers at at least one point in the game, were booed by their own crowd because of how poorly they did. The only goal for the Blackhawks came from Brandon Saad, who looks like a beast this season, especially as he gains the trust of his coach. He is definitely looking more and more like the, like, little mini Marion Hosa that everyone expected him and wanted him to be. If you would like to know how dire this game was for the Blackhawks, in the first period, shots were five for the Flyers, seven for the Blackhawks. So that seems very dull. Second period, Flyers 13, Blackhawks one, one shot, one shot on goal in the whole second period. They turned it around the next period with 16 shots uh, for a total of 24, but literally one shot. And, you know, the Kings have also been in that boat this season as well. I think they had one game where they had two shots or something in a period, which is bad and depressing and whatever. But the, the Blackhawks blue line is a mess. The forwards, the coach just keeps changing. Like there's like the Joel Quenville line blender. And then there's whatever Jeremy Colleton is doing, which is just like throwing darts at a board and seeing what sticks. The Blackhawks just lost Connor Murphy on defense. And he is not like all world elite, amazing player, but is certainly better than most of the other options that they have at this point. He is out um, on long-term injured reserve with a groin injury. Just everything is looking very bad for them. And really the only bright spot has been Robin Lehner in goal. And that might be it. Getting Signing Alex to bring it to a reasonable contract, that's a good thing. Seeing Kirby Doc, who was the number three draft pick of the year, seeing him get the chance to play in games has been good, and everything else has been, like, super hot garbage. Their, their defense is bad. It's amazing to see how these two teams, the Kings and the Blackhawks, have just plummeted in their struggles very rapidly. But the Blackhawks, at least last year, fell into that, like, fun but bad category once they sort of figured stuff out because at the end of the season they were scoring four or five goals a game but they were then they were allowing like five six seven goals a game they were fun but still bad this year they're just bad like the offense really isn't even there and after their game on Thursday uh, head coach Jeremy Colleton was just real mad Mark Lazarus from The Athletic basically said like he was just like genuinely obviously pissed off about it and like he should be and he talked a lot about Colleton talked a lot about work ethic he talks about you know the, the line combinations that have had success for the team he says they're playing a very direct hardworking team-oriented game and they're willing to do the dirty work they're willing to get their nose dirty and pressure on the forecheck blah 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 uh, those are the lines that have success the lines that aren't having success they're not having success because they're not doing those things he basically talks about work ethic away from the puck and they're not managing their play away from the puck they're not playing he says a team first mentality up and down the lineup he just like this is like he's a very bland coach the Blackhawks went from Joel Conville who like said nothing but at least you kind of got like the picture of what he was trying to say even if he only gave you like four words to Jeremy Colleton who seems like a very nice man, but also speaks entirely in cliches. And so seeing him say anything that is kind of off script and is basically like, you guys sucked is kind of a wake up call, honestly, like that he wasn't just sort of giving out the pat answers. Uh, But he talked about the, you know, the, the times where they were 
performing well in the game. We dominated because we were skating, we were winning battles, we got pucks deep. And then he goes on to say, I want our team to understand what we need to do to have success. The quicker we learn it, it becomes part of our DNA, then this team is good enough. Uh, We'll make the playoffs, or we'll be a hard team to play against. Uh, The longer it takes, the longer we don't want it to be part of our identity, and we put ourselves in a bad spot, and we've been there before. We have to learn. It's ultimately like, how bad do you want to win? And all of this feels so familiar as a person watching the Kings. It is essentially the same thing that Todd McClellan is saying. You have to want it. You have to learn to play the right way and there will be mistakes. And the quicker you learn and the quicker you adapt to the system, then you stop making mistakes and then you'll be a good team. The Kings at least seem to have figured it out a little bit. You're seeing glimpses of what their new identity is going to be. Are they great at it yet? No because if they were great at it, we would not have had games like this St. Louis game where they just blew it. So they're not great at it, but you can tell that it's there and you can see it in those periods where they outshoot someone like 25 to 3 or whatever. You can see it when they actually protect the puck and win battles and do all of the right things for 50 out of 60 minutes. You can see the glimmers of it. You don't really see that with Chicago. I've only gotten to see a handful of their games this year. I will be there on Sunday to see the Kings-Blackhawks game. I don't see that same sense of identity on the ice. I don't see a group of cohesive players yet all doing the same thing for the same reason on the ice. That team has some challenges ahead of them, And if the Kings are smart, and if they all have dusted themselves off from this game on Thursday against the Blues and this loss, and recommit to playing the right way, it could be a very interesting and good game for the Kings on Sunday, because the Blackhawks just do not seem to know or understand what it is that they are trying to be on the ice. So a little teaser for next week, I am hoping to have a guest on the show to talk about the Blackhawks and the Kings matchup and the rivalry and the sad state of both of our franchises, um, especially given the fact that the Kings and the Hawks play each other again uh, after this Sunday. They play each other again the next weekend in Los Angeles. Look for more on that early next week. Uh, Hopefully we'll have my very first guest on this show to talk Kings and Hawks. That is about it for me today here on Locked on Los Angeles Kings. We will be back on Monday to chat a little more about what happened in these weekend games. Before I go, I want to tell you about a little project that I am doing. Um, If you missed yesterday's episode, then you missed this announcement. What I am doing is I am looking for Kings fans. Uh, You can call yourself a super fan. You could have been a fan your whole life. You could have just decided you like the team this year. I don't care. Do you like the Kings? Yes, no. That's question one. Do you live somewhere that is not Los Angeles? That's question two. If you answer yes to both of those things, then I want to talk to you because what I want to do is feature regular, ordinary, everyday fans, people just like you, and talk about what keeps you loving this team, especially through all of the ups and downs and weirdness we have endured through all of last season. Like if you came out through last season and you're still like, yes, this is my team. Like 
you are amazing and a hero and deserve a medal. But what I want to talk about is people who love this team, even though you live very, very far away, and maybe you never lived where the Kings are. I want to know how you got to be a fan. I want to know how you stay a fan. I just, I just really want to put a spotlight on the people who I meet whenever I travel places, whenever I travel to see Kings games in other arenas, and I'm in like Newark and am high-fiving Kings fans. I'm in, you know, Florida and there's Kings fans. Like, I just, I want to know who you are and I want to know your story. And I want to use this platform that I have on this show to tell that story. So if you would like to chat with me for a quick segment on far-flung Kings fans that will air on a future episode of this podcast, go to bit.ly slash locked on Kings, fill out a real quick survey. It's just basic info on who you are, where you're from, and why you think you would be a good person to talk to for this show. And I will be in touch with you bit.ly slash locked on kings if you are someone who would love to talk about your king's fandom with me for a little bit. So you can find me on Twitter at right said Sarah, that's W-R-I-T-E and Sarah with an H. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at locked on LA Kings. And of course, I will be tweeting out the link to that survey that I mentioned. You can just look on the Locked on LA Kings Twitter account and there will be tweets about it. I'll go pin it right now as soon as I'm done here. So that way you won't lose the link to it. So right said Sarah, Locked on LA Kings, both of those places, good ways to find me, find this show and never miss a single episode. Of course, make sure you have subscribed to this show and leave a review and a rating and all that great stuff on whatever podcast Orama place is your favorite. Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, whatever makes you happy. Do those things. And of course, tell your friends all about it. Make sure that they know how to find this show and that they should be listening to it, especially if they are Kings fans. So we will be back on Monday to talk about the Kings big weekend on the road. Going to cross our fingers and hope for like three points out of four. Like, let's just, let's set the bar low. I want a win and maybe an oops. So that's it. Had a great time today with you talking Kings and uh, we'll catch up on Monday. This has been Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.